This is Connected Nation, a podcast focused on all things broadband. From closing the digital divide to improving your internet speeds, we talk technology topics that impact all of us, our families, and our communities. Throughout February, we're focusing on Black History Month and talking with those in the Black community who are creating positive impact and innovating in the world of technology. Today, our guest is Sabrina Morton, who is a change manager at L3 Harris, a technology group that provides advanced defense and commercial technologies across air, land, sea, space, and cyber domains. Learn how L3 Harris is advancing technology across multiple sectors and about Sabrina's role in making that possible, as well as her contribution to the Black community and her connection to Vice President Kamala Harris. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Connected Nation. I'm Jessica Denson. Today, our guest is Sabrina Morton, who is a change manager at L3 Harris. Sabrina also has deep ties with Connected Nation. Before she was a mover and shaker in the technology world, she was an intern with our company. Welcome, Sabrina. Thank you, Jessica. I'm so happy to be here today. It's an honor to be able to come back and speak to everyone at CN and your audience today. We are excited to have you. Uh, I've heard from several staff members that you were an amazing part of CN, and um, you have quite the pedigree. When I was looking through your resume, I I felt a little intimidated. So we're excited to have you. I've heard the staff sing your praises. Before we get into our work now about uh, what you're doing now, why don't you share a little bit about your time with their nonprofit? Sure. Uh, During my time at CN, I worked under Heather Gate. Uh, developing actually the Computers for Kids program. That program was a program designed to provide refurbished computers to underserved communities, right? So, um, we also were blessed with a uh, grant from uh, Microsoft to help us with funding of refurbishing computers, also to eventually get new computers and also uh, provide software like Microsoft Office Suite to those underserved communities as well. That had a lot to do with helping kids get a hold of this technology that they really need. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And it just, it was so, see the look in their faces when we would pull up, literally, uh, we would pull up uh, on site with a truck full of computers. So I felt like Santa, you know, we had <laughs> Santa hats on and everything and literally provide these communities where kids don't have a computer. They don't have iPods and iPads and things like that and show them how to connect uh, with the various resources that CM put in place in the communities to provide Wi-Fi. So it was just an overall, just an amazing experience to be able to provide those computers for those kids. How do you see having access to technology as as something that's important to the Black community, that we really need to make an effort to bring technology to all people in wherever they are? It's very important. I mean, without it, you're not connected. Literally, I mean, you're you're isolated from the outside world. You, you're you isolated from understanding and, and, and obtaining a lot of, uh, especially in the environment we're in right now with COVID, right? the ability to still stay connected to teachers, instructors, businesses, and things like that. So it's critical that we bridge that divide that's there that's not allowing some communities to connect, to provide hubs and things like that so that they can connect because some people can't afford the internet services, right? So it's really nice when you have communities that provide open Wi-Fi and um, the ability for drop-in spots to use technology for those that don't have computers. And what years were you with Connected Nation? 
I was with Connected Nation from 2000 to 2008. This year, we're celebrating 20 years of uh, service. So it's exciting to talk to somebody who's been there through the uh, evolution of our nonprofit. Um, Heather Gate, you mentioned, uh, she's the currently Connected Nation's Vice President of Digital Inclusion. When she told me about you and what you do, she said she was not surprised at the incredible career you've had because you were such a asset to the work that we were doing at Connected Nation. So let's get into the evolution of your career and the work that you're doing now. You have a degree from Kentucky State University, but also have a master's in technical project management from Johns Hopkins University. That's quite the pedigree. Tell us a little bit about what your, uh, your education was focused on and why you went that direction. Yes, my degree from Kentucky State University was focused on software engineering, um, computer science. And from there, I took and pursued an additional master's degree in technical uh, project management at John Hopkins. That degree focused on managing technical projects from concept to operational use with an emphasis on like your functions, roles, and responsibilities of a project or program manager, right? So from that, I learned a lot of the business factors that affect project management, you know, from planning to execution, communication, the whole project life cycle. So having that degree from Kentucky State University early on gave me the technical insight that I needed to be able to do my job. But having the additional degree later on from Don Hopkins allowed me to understand how to manage those programs. That education and background really brought you to some heavy hitters in the industry. Uh, you started working at such places as Lockheed Martin. Take us some through some of your early career path. Yes, it did. You know, some people discredit a degree from an historical black college and university, which is also known as an HBCU. But my first job was after my internship at CN and after graduating from Kentucky State University. I landed a job with Lockheed Martin in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I was hired as a software engineer um, designing a one-stop shop tool for the capture team to use to capture new business. Every resource, all their artifacts needed to respond to proposals was I built a tool that actually had it right there for them, easily to navigate and readily be able to respond to capture requests. From there, I moved into, uh, I got promoted to a project manager, uh, project engineering slash manager position under the FaxFact radar system at Patuxent Naval Air Station, also in Maryland. On that program, we created a ground-based sense and avoid system. It was basically a navigation system that allowed us to uh, control or navigate unmanned aircraft in U.S. airspace. It gave them a warning when they were too close to a, a regular aircraft, so it would deter the unmanned vehicles so that uh, we wouldn't have any issues, right? Wow. <laughs> so it was definitely, I mean, I look at it and I'm going, you know, I go from Kentucky State University to all this neat you know, until things that people dream of being able to do, right? <laughs> so from there, though, I've always had a management and business side. So I wanted to learn more, like I said, about program management and and how companies and how programs uh, function. So I applied for something called the Program Management Rotational Program. It was under Sikorsky Aircraft, which is now Lockheed Martin Company. And in that rotation, they had, I think, 300 plus people apply for the role. They interviewed 50 people and they chose five people to be the initial 
inauguration, inaugural class of the program management rotational program. You know, it gave me the foundation to be an effective program manager. All the tools, cost, schedule, performance, all those building blocks that you need, right? So I was able to uh, literally demonstrate a lot of those skills by working as a program planner on the CH-53K helicopter program, which is amazing. That helicopter can literally pick up three Blackhawks at one, one time, right? I was a project manager on the S-92 helicopter program, which is a commercial aircraft program, but it's the base for the VX program. So, and then I moved into deputy program integrator on the VX-92 program, which is the presidential helicopter program. I'm like... Me? Me? I'm working on presidential? (laughs) Yeah, in my notes, I wrote helicopter program. So cool. (laughs) It really is. That's pretty, pretty neat. Let's talk now about where you're currently working. The company is called L3 Harris. I I have to be open. I had not heard of it until I was doing research on you. Directly from their website, they quote it as a technology group that provides advanced defense and commercial technology across air, land, sea, space, and cyber domains. A lot of what I was reading, full disclosure, on the website was above my knowledge base. (laughs) So can you break it down for uh, maybe some of us that aren't as technical and some in our audience who might be wondering what L3 Harris does? Yeah, no problem. What the company is focused on? No problem. So L3 provides advanced defense and commercial technologies, right? So with that, you know, we have, I think, 18 billion or so in annual revenue, almost 50,000 employees. And the things we do, the things that I could talk about anyway, (laughs) are (laughs) some of our things like our integrated mission systems, you know, that provide like intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, you know, those optical infrared solutions and things like that, right? And then like for where I, I'm on the program, which is in space and airborne systems, that's like base payload, sensors, full mission solutions, and a lot of classified and cyber defense technologies, right? So there's an also our communication system side, which is our technical communication, broadband, night vision, a lot of the public safety sector things that we have. And then we also have our avionics, uh, our aviation system. That's our security detection, our commercial products, air traffic control, things like that, right? And then we have, you know, part of that also too is uh, commercial and military pilot training system. So we do a lot. <laughs> we do a yeah. lot. <laughs> that is a lot. I was a little confused. I it, it was talking way above my knowledge base for sure in the technology thing. I am a communications director, so my brain is very much in the creative space, which, although I say that, but it sounds like a lot of technology is a kind of a creative thought process. Is that true? It's very true because, and that's what I love about, even when I have our internships, our interns that come in, because they bring in new thoughts that maybe someone that has been set in their ways and used to a certain way technologies run, having that new thought and, and communication with the people that have a broader perspective that look at like the Jetsons from back in the day and go, you know, we could actually do that, you know? <laughs> and they do. They come up with ways to do these things in the lab, right? Because <laughs> they don't limit themselves and put themselves in a box. They go, hmm, you know, is that phrase hold my beer? Let me let me try this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Your official title is change manager. Uh, explain what that is. Uh, what do you do as a change manager? Yes, my role as a change manager is to ensure that all changes to our program baseline are thoroughly vetted, reviewed, documented, approved, implemented, all the way up, right? So I'm on the F-35 uh, aircraft program and I'm the change manager for multiple 
pillars of programs that are underneath that enterprise. And so we are subbing where the uh, the prime is Lockheed Martin and we sub under them. And so all of our changes that we make need to also be approved by them because they're integrating this into the overall aircraft, right? So it's very critical that I make sure that we keep that baseline stable because we don't want someone coming up with, oh, let's try this, integrate it into the aircraft and then have some uh, interface issues later on, right? So um, so I'm, I also chair all of our change review boards. I also act as the backup risk manager on the program too, right? So it's a it's a role that takes a lot of coordination with various functions like finance, planning, contracts, all the engineering teams and our leadership team. Yeah, it sounds like a hefty task for sure. And one that has a lot to do with safety, too, I imagine. Definitely. So safety is definitely first. I mean, so that's why the change manager has to be aware of everything that's going on on the aircraft. I know you've given us a breakdown of what L3 is, but what would you want somebody who's never heard of it to take away about the company? What What is the, its important role in um, society and with technology? Overall, I'd say our role is providing safety and critical solutions, you know, to push us to another level, right? There are a lot of things going on in the world right now, and I'm very proud to work for a company that is looking at all of the avenues that um, we need to secure ourselves, right? To secure our nation. So uh, knowing that, you know, but also some of the things that people don't know about the company is that L3 is committed to rewarding those that deliver, right? If you deliver on your deliverables, they're going to reward you. I've been with the company for less than two years and I've already been promoted. Right. The workforce is getting so more diverse every day. Right. So I'm talking about, you know, diverse talent, diverse individuals, male, female from all walks of life. L3 doesn't care about color. They see talent. And that's why I love being there. Well, let's touch on that a little bit about being a woman, especially a black woman in a field that's often dominated by white men. How has that been? Has it, has that been a challenge for you? Have you had to, do you feel prove yourself a little more or do you feel like you've had the support throughout your career that you needed? No, it has been very challenging at times, right? That being from not only sometimes being just a woman, just, and being also a black woman, right? There are times that I'm in a meeting, there are 30 engineers in there, right? And there's three to four women of which one or two are the admin staff and it's myself and another engineer, you know, that can be overwhelming. You know, I see it as a challenge though, to encourage other women to look at STEM field as a possibility. You know, as a black leader, I want people to see, I do want them to see my color. I want them to know that I come from a strong African-American heritage that, with that brings a very unique perspective, right? Being raised in a very strict, hardworking uh, household. My parents, grew, we grew up in Chicago. And even though I was raised in a neighborhood that was impoverished, I was taught to believe that I could do anything and I set my mind to it. So when I'm sitting in that room with 30 people and I'm the only person that looks like me, I feel like it's my duty to stand up and just really, I have to be assertive sometimes because they don't always see me as someone that adds value at first until they get to know me, right? So I've learned that being an you know an assertive black woman can be constructed sometimes as anger, you know, but it also is could, could be constructed as being assertive to others, you know. I'm judged by my assertiveness. Not I'm not always given the benefit of the doubt as my male 
or white counterparts are. So that's why I feel like building relationships in the workforce is critical in climbing your corporate ladder. When you build these relationships, you know, it allows your team to understand your knowledge, your skill, your abilities, you know, and them really to break down those barriers that I'm a woman, that I'm a black woman. They see me as a talented individual that is offering value to the team. And do you find that really you're doing that heavy work right now or that taking those extra steps that maybe others don't have to? Are you hopeful that that will lead to a time when no one has to take those extra steps? I'm praying that it leads to that. I mean, it's a slow and gradual change, but I've seen over my career so far in the last 15, 16 years, the changes that have happened in the amount of women that are joining the engineering workforce, right? Even in in leadership, right? There are they're just I see the change coming and I see that companies like L3, Lockheed are making it possible to make sure that their workforces are diverse and people are seeing that talent. What advice would you offer other women, other Black women that are drawn to fields in technology as they step into this, whether they're new or just a couple of years into it? My advice is to go for it. There's nothing stopping you but you. You are the limit to your success, right? There are not a lot of women in this industry, but it's changing, like I just said, tremendously over the last you know, decade. We're now the movers. We're the shakers. We're gaining the respect <laughs> of our male colleagues, right? We're scientists, we're engineers, we're program managers, technical directors, VPs and presidents. You know, one of my role models is Jennifer Lewis. She's not African-American, but she's a woman and she's the engineering vice president. She's making positive strides across our company enterprises and she delivers mission success. She rewards those that are putting their best foot forward. And when you stumble, she will help get you there, right? So having women in place like that too, it drives you to go, I can do that. I can do that. You know, so now I keep saying, okay, my next role is director, right? I'm working towards that. And and she will help me achieve that by the mentoring and things like that. And also holding me accountable for my own success. I think that's wonderful. And women lifting up other women is extremely important. And uh, all races being a part of this dialogue is important as well. I'm going to turn now to, we we have mentioned race some and um, the fact that you are a strong Black woman in t- the field of technology. We are celebrating Black History Month. We want to lift up some amazing things that Black men and women are doing in technology, but also in the community. And Heather Gate tells me that you do a lot of volunteer work with Black children and that you're a mother of four and that's commendable on its own. It's a lot of work. Share a little bit about your family and your your volunteer work that you do in your community? Sure. I, I, as you stated, I'm a mother of four, three of which are grown, are all out of the house, college graduates, <laughs> and one's actually military and pursuing his degree in engineering. But I also have a 16-year-old son that lives at home. He's a sophomore, and he's also interested in technology, right? He wants to study engineering. He's already started courses. He's doing programming classes online, you know. So, but for them, I felt like, you know, as we are excelling, that the best thing for us to do is also continue to reach back and give back. So I have them assist me in doing a lot of volunteer work also, you know, but as far as my committed monthly volunteer work, we would run out of time if I had to, <laughs> all of it, me. you know, I'm a member of the National Society of Black Engineers, the Society of Women Engineers, Jack and Jill of America, Links Incorporated and Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, you know, each one of these organizations have programs 
that are targeting various things like STEM, health and wellness, education. You know, so there are various aspects. But for me personally, I spend a lot of hours each month giving back through organizations. But my main focus is STEM financial preparedness and leadership skills, right? So I love doing that. I, I work on a program, a, a girls program on Saturdays right now. And it is an amazing program for young girls to understand that they can do these STEM activities and see that it's not just something you see on television. You can do this yourself. And they actually hands-on touch things. And they're like, wow, I can do this too. Yeah, you can. You know, but they have to see people that look like them, that come from areas like them so that they know that they too can do this. Right. So I feel like it is my mission. And um, as they say, as uh, much is given, much is required. I feel like because I've been blessed to be able to do the things that I do, that it's on me to make sure that I'm continually reaching back and giving. This is a theme through your career and in your personal life, then, that you are trying to be an example to other women and Black women and children in the Black community. And it really seems to tie where your heart is into in this. It really does. It's a passion of mine because I grew up on the west side of Chicago, a very impoverished neighborhood. I was teased because people said, oh, you're a teacher's pet because my teachers would like really like tell me, hey, you're doing great. And it wasn't that I was, you know, sucking up to the teacher or anything. I just knew that my family wouldn't tolerate anything less than that. Right. But my classmates would tease me. So I know what it feels like to be bullied. I know what it feels like to sit in that class and you want to do good, but your colleagues or your classmates are, you know, not helping you. So I want these young kids to know, male and female, that it's okay to be smart and for them to know that there are programs and organizations out there to help them. I would be remiss if I did not mention that we have the first female Black vice president in the history of the United States. Uh, she's been in office at this recording for just a little less than a month. And it's an incredible moment for all women, but especially Black women. And a little note, you're in the same sorority as Vice President Kamala Harris, Alpha Kappa Alpha. Share with our listeners what it means to see Vice President Harris in this role as a leader, as a Black woman, most the second most powerful person in the United States right now. Oh, my gosh. It is, speaking from an, as an individual member of Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, this is just historical, right? I, I've been so excited. I take great pride that a fellow HBCU grad, a fellow sorority sister, a fellow Black woman has been elected to this role. It's it's just ultimate achievement of history, right? The things that people thought could never happen, right? So I am so proud of her and her accomplishment. So it's just, it's it's it brings tears to my eyes all the time. And what does it mean for you to be part of the sorority? What is, what is the... Um... The, the kinship, the sisterhood, if you will, the, the partnerships that you guys, that you make, the friendships you make through this. This is your moment to tell us a little bit about Alpha Kappa Alpha. Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, our mission is service all mankind. Simply put, service to all mankind. So we devote our time to help people of all walks of life. Literally, I mean, we devote their program, program structure is based around helping people in multiple ways, right? So I feel like it was the perfect organization for me because it, I lived that mission. So it, I was able to walk right into it with like-minded women that live that mission, that have means, education, the abilities to give back, uh, coordinate, 
uh, functions, events, fundraise, things like that to effectively make change in our communities. That's wonderful to hear. I think we're, um, we're going to wrap it up. And I just want to give you an opportunity to add any final thoughts that you would like to leave our listeners with or any topics that you thought we should explore that we didn't touch on. No, I think we covered them all. I just, I would definitely recommend that listeners find their give back, find a way that they can give back to their communities, whether it's their old school, whether it's their high school, whether it's their local community where they're at right now, find a way because children are looking up to you. Kids that are in your communities that don't have a role model look up to you. So take that time, even with me being um, in my role in the many organizations, take that time. I find the time. So I challenge you to do the same. That's a great challenge. Um, I think we should all think on that for sure and figure out what we each can give back. It's obvious to me, just talking to you in a, for this short time, that you are a positive influence on a lot of lives. So thank you, Sabrina, for joining us today and for sharing your contributions to the field of technology and to the Black community. Thank you so much for having me. Again, our guest today was Sabrina Morton, who is a change manager at L3 Harris. I'll put a link to the company's website in the description of this podcast. I'm Jessica Denson. Thanks for listening to Connected Nation. If you like our show and want to know more about us, head to connectednation.org or look for the latest episodes of Connected Nation on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Pandora, or Spotify.